These are the tribulations of Paulette. Time stands still as I watch my orange acrylic thumbnail disappear into the food processor at the Berry Good Food Commissary. Ten pounds of organic onions right down the drain in only my first hour of gainful employment. Biscuit takes it well, pats me on the shoulder, and says, Guess that's payback, ducks. It's true. She owed me. Biscuit, her husband Ed, and I are theater-going partners at the ART in Cambridge. My husband Dave bowed out of our group years earlier because he always does the snoozing head snap and we nearly come to blows. In lieu of Dave, Biscuit finds me interesting theater dates. Last fall, she found a potential contender over the phone, a friend of a friend, a sports agent, she tells me, divorced and he lives on Beacon Hill. Sounds very intellectual. Bet you'll get along famously. Does he know I'm married, I ask? I need my theater dates to be gay or knowing up front that Biscuit isn't pimping for me. Like the whore of Mensa, I only want to pay for good conversation. I agree to meet Biscuit, Ed, and the sports agent for Romeo and Juliet. On the October dark performance night, I scrambled like a madwoman to feed Dave and the kids and make it to Cambridge by 7.15. Standing outside the theater, I see Biscuit and Ed, their tall heads coming toward me across the street. I wave to them. They're laughing and looking down at something like they're talking to a kid. As they cross the street, I do see three of them, two adults and one quite little person. Hello, Biscuit exclaims rather forcibly, and we hug with meaning. As I say hello to Ed, Biscuit says, Paulette, say hello to Danny Shorter. I take him in, which doesn't take long. From my perspective of 5'3", I give Danny a solid 4'6". Still, it's pretty dark out. Danny shakes my hand vigorously. As we step into the bright theater lobby, I see that Danny is a dwarf. I sense Biscuit, who wants me to look at her, but I can't. Be cool, be cool, I keep telling myself. Side by side, Danny and I look like a pair of kitschy salt and pepper shakers. He turned out rather bossy, too. Who knew that the short man complex increased exponentially? And this from a guy whom I had to pretty much lift into his theater seat. At dinner, Danny dominated the conversation about Shakespeare, and even Biscuit couldn't get a word in. Later, when I got home, Dave inquired about my date. Gay, he asked? Little person. Big personality, I say. And Dave says, perfect for a gal like you. Now, Biscuit and I are square. She gives me another 10 pounds of onions to chop with express orders not to remove the gloves this time. I finish the job at Berry Good around noon and arrive home to find Dolly sitting in her car in my driveway. Her face is flushed. What's up, I ask. Oh my God, Paulette. Bunyan came up from Nantucket, and he's over at the Holiday Inn, she tells me excitedly. I've been there all morning. I might be in love. I need you and Dave to meet him. Bunyan is the carpenter that Dolly picked up on Nantucket. He's a sports score, but now he's making a go for pro. 
We agree that Dave and I will meet them later for dinner at Davio's. Dolly doesn't realize it yet, but she's got the hormonal crazies too. What is she going to do with this guy? On the other hand, it might be nice to have someone around the house who can fix stuff. My mother Nancy, between slugs of her martini, always lamented that she hadn't married a plumber. Dave is bummed about having a Celtics-free night, but he agrees to meet Dolly and Bunyan at the appointed hour. Dolly shows up 30 minutes late with Bunyan in tow. He's a dead ringer for the comedian Tim Allen, except he has a severe Boston accent. Because she used to be in the business, Dolly has waiters buzzing around us at the restaurant. We order drinks, but Bunyan wants a Diet Coke. Immediately, I smell AA. Well, nothing wrong with that. I'm just a few cocktails away from the church basement myself. Then it's time to order. Bunyan wants salmon, steak, potatoes, and veal served in a stack. As an afterthought, he asks for some pan-fried trout as a topper. Dave and I look on astonished, but Dolly whispers, Isn't he great? Bunyan has been off Nantucket for a few days, he tells us. Went over to my mother's. Then I went down to Connecticut. I took the train, he says. What a gorgeous place. Say, did you know that Connecticut is on the water? Dave kicks me hard under the table. Bunyan now squawks about the other New England states that are on the water, like Nantucket. While Bunyan blabbers on, I take a good look at his hands, stabbing his mountain of food. These aren't the strong, rough hands of a carpenter. These hands look like those of someone who's been in jail most of his adult life. And he eats like he doesn't know when his next meal might come. Oh no, I get a really bad feeling. The quest for love has led Dolly into the arms of an ex-con. What's worse is that I feel some responsibility. I was the one who ordered her to find some talent at the chicken box. Dolly leans over and whispers in my ear, I think I'm going to let him stay in the room over my garage. And for the second time in a few weeks, I hear the lost in space robot yell, Danger Will Robinson. One lucky jailbird has found a food source, and it ain't on the state of Nantucket. This is Eric Fontana. Next time, a welcome intruder. Till then, ta-ta.